What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance. And of course, we're talking about business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best foot forward and elevate. But before we introduce today's guest, my man Eric from Hunts Vegas, Alabama. Who do you have for our Black Men Sunday spotlight, my brother? Hey, Corey. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Uh, today's spotlight, we're gonna focus on this 26-year-old. Her name is Tyra Ivory. And Tyra is the youngest Subway franchisee in the United States. Let me drop you some, some information about Miss Tyra here. Now, Tyra, anything is possible. And I know that it may sound kind of cliche, but it has not been easy. And this is a quote that Miss Ivory told uh, WBCI News. Sarah asked for racists were to become a dentist and literally before the offer came about applying to dental school, and she didn't get she didn't get in. So she understand then, but now she know why she didn't get in. So people from both her small town and across the United States came out to celebrate Ivory during her ribbon cutting ceremony. She credits having the support of a system for success. Her story is a reminder that when where you from can't deter from where you're going. So basically, her thing is her quote. She surrounds yourself with people that are going to push you and going to have the strength for you when you don't have the strength yourself because that's how she's gotten there, as she shared. And she also quoted saying, I would say to anyone, if this is something you want to pursue and anything beyond um, that you want to do, become a Subway franchiser, a teacher, a doctor, go after it. And do not be afraid to ask for help. And I don't know or don't take no for an answer. And I asked um, to use her resources, and that's what got us so far. Unquote. This is again, uh, Tyra Ivory. This is my spotlight for today. Again, she's, a, she's 26 years old. She's the youngest subway franchiser in the United States. Now, Corey, back to you, bro. Thank you, Eric, for that Black Men Sunday spotlight, man. I swear you never, you never stop giving it to us every sunday brother i appreciate you let's go on to introduce today's guest we got philip dean this brother's been on tv over 33 years we were talking about creative development this guy's a business development director and a creative director when we talk about commercials we're talking about social media campaigns we're talking about documentaries when we're just talking about growing your brand this is the guy for that this guy believes in real estate this guy's a business owner we're in three odd guys brewing live right now with this brother philip deans without further ado welcome to black men sundays brother how you doing first off Corey, i want to thank you for even just letting me be on the show uh i love this show i listen to it all the time and i can honestly tell you i learn a lot when i listen to your show so i really appreciate you man oh definitely so let's go on and get this party started man uh we're at three odd guys brewing the beers are amazing like i said if you need to have a sip or two it's all good just don't get slurry on me but we're gonna do it up it's black men sunday so let's right let's get started man Guys that want to own a business, guys that want to be in a position that you're in, what type of money should they have saved up in the bank? What's a good credit score? So when they start running numbers, they're not getting disappointed. That's a that's a great question, Corey. So let me start by saying that you anything you do, you have to be consistent and persistent. So that, that really all the advice I can really give anybody because I'm not 
an entrepreneur that has a bunch of businesses. But uh, the consistency and being persistent was the key for me. But it all started with real estate. So my wife and I were able to come to Orlando uh, and buy our first piece of real estate, which was basically a condo. We bought that condo for like $60,000. It was really affordable back then. It was like in the year 2000. So what we did is we spent about three years inside of that condo and then sold it for about $90,000. So what that allowed me to do is take that $30,000 and put it down on my second home. Here's what's interesting about the, the, the first condo we bought, though, and let me rewind a second. We, we found a lot of opportunities because we had good credit to actually get um, uh, 3% down, 0% down, uh, opportunities on our first house. I only put about $7,000 down on that condo. So uh, no matter whether you think you have a ton of money or not, there are opportunities to get started in real estate, um, whether you think you can or not. So with our credit, we built up our credit over the years, we were able to put about $7,000 down on that condo and made about $30,000 about three years later, bought our second home. Our second home was about $137,000. Uh, when we bought it, uh, we put a small amount down, but over about 12 to 14 years, we made a great deal of money. We made a lot of money, uh, probably 60 to $70,000, which was a lot of money for us at the time, and put that money down, uh, not all of it, but a lot of that money down on our third property. So when we bought this, it was a much bigger place. Uh, we bought it at a great time. We bought it at a low interest rate. Uh, I think our interest rate right now is about uh, two nine on this house. So we took about sixty to seventy thousand dollars with some money left over, put it down on our third home, and we were able to take what we had done in real estate over the you know the fifteen years that we had been putting money down on our new homes, and literally use some of that money to build Three Odd Guys Brewing which is, uh, you know, the business that we're talking about now. So let me ask you this. I'm just coming right out. Can you achieve generational wealth without having real estate? So, Corey, I, listen, I, I'm a middle-class guy um, who came up in a middle-class family. I'm about 49 years old right now. I have a bunch of gray hair. I, I, I don't know of a different way to, to make the kind of money that we've made without real estate. So, I, you know, in all honesty... Uh, there's probably ways out there. People start businesses, whether it be online businesses or whatever, or maybe there was some wealth that was passed down to them. But for me, someone who grew up the way I did, I don't know of another way that I could have made the money that I made for my family uh, that allowed me the opportunities to do what I'm doing right now. You know, as, as that gray-haired 49-year-old guy, I just don't, you know, I just don't know if I could have uh, done it any other way. Well, I can't believe you just put your age out there, man. Let me tell you, let me, let me uh, say something real quick, because when I first walked into 3R Guys Brewing, you know, I see, first off, I see this thing is huge. I'm like, wow, it's got good square footage in here, but I see you have mailbox money over there as well. So why is that important to you? Why do you have mailbox money all through here? So, um, you know, early on when we opened up this place, this guy comes in here. His name is Joe Ferrer. The guy's fantastic. He comes in here and tells us he's got this great idea and that, uh, you know, and by the way, this guy had a great background. He comes in and starts telling us about mailbox money. Mailbox money 
is this fantastic idea where you as an individual can become a giver and actually help the community out for just like 10 bucks a month. So I said, you know what, Joe, I trust you. You're a good guy. So I signed up and now I've become a giver. He uh, taught me how to become a giver. I've been doing it for about a year now. I spend about $10 a month and literally watch what he does with the money. It's fantastic. Um, he has done many things with that money, and I'm sure you'll hear about it soon. Like, Corey, I think you're interviewing him in the near future. But what I loved about it was is it also told us and taught us how we can start 3OG Cares, which is our monthly um, uh, giving back opportunity here at 3 Odd Guys Brewing that we're starting soon. And Joe's been a major part of that. Joe's fantastic part of what we do here. We're very excited to be a partner of his. And uh, let's be honest, what he's doing is fantastic. Definitely. You know, it's the holiday season. Christmas, I mean, it's next Sunday. We have, matter of fact, it's funny you bring it up, Joe Ferrer. We actually have him on the show next Sunday for our Christmas Day show. So definitely want to stay tuned for that. It's going to give you business tips. And you're going to learn what mailbox money is. You see how I asked Phil a question? He answered it, but he did, but you don't really know fully what it is. So find out next week on Black Men's Sunday. So Phil, my next question for you, man. You know, like I said, you have, you've been in TV for 33 years, man. Business development director. How does the skill set in your 33 years of news, how does that help you out as being a business owner? That's a good question, Corey. Um, one of the things I've been lucky enough to do for the past so many years, like I told you earlier, I've been doing this for a long time, is run an in-house agency over, advertising agency over at Grand Media Group, WKMG, and CBS Orlando. And over the years, we've come up with a lot of formulas that have helped other folks build their brands, build their wealth, build their businesses. So I've taken what I've learned over the years and I've applied it to my life, not just business life, but my own life. You know, I have this, this saying where advertising is life. Think about it for a second. When you're, you know, applying for a job, you're advertising yourself. When you're uh, trying to make yourself uh, more marketable, you're advertising yourself. When you're doing many things in life, you're advertising yourself. It's basically life, right? So advertising is life. So we've come up with these three rules. One is grab attention. Second is connect emotionally. And the third is initiate a response. So I've taken those rules and I've applied them to my life. And it was no different when I came to build the 3OG brand. I said, if I can build other brands that have sold for millions of dollars, uh, I wish they would have shared some of that money with me, but they didn't. That's okay. Could have bought a couple businesses and maybe had more real estate, Corey. But, but uh, bottom line is, is I've been able to apply the rules of advertising to my life, and it was no different when we started building out this business. I looked at the brand and I said, what can we do to make this brand uh, exciting? What can we do internally in this business to make it connect with people and be somewhere they want to be at all times? come back. And when you talk about initiating a response in life, uh, you get a lot of people that come in and they spend money in your, your, your facility. So I've been able to use the rules of advertising and apply them to not just my life, but building this brand and this business. Wow, man. Let's talk about three odd guys growing man. Because uh, just talking to you pre-show, you were saying around 2017 and 2018 is when you signed the lease here. But, you know, for a lot of guys that want to establish a business, want to be a CEO, want to be a business owner, you came in like, right 
before COVID hit. How did that not discourage you from saying, you know what, let me not close this. Let me take my money out. COVID's coming. Like, how did you, how were you able to persevere through that? So, Corey, I don't think anything can prepare you for a pandemic. But one of the things that myself and my partners did is, you know, after the shock and awe of everything, we took a hard look at everything we were doing and said we can either see this as uh, a disaster or we can see this as an opportunity. And what we did is we took the things we could control and we did the best we could with the things we could control. Of course, we it took a little bit longer. It took about six months longer than we expected. There was a lot of stop-start going on. Um, but we could have looked at this as uh, an opportunity, <clears throat> just like you would look at a down market, right? You would, uh, you know, you'll talk to Joe about this, but you know, Joe would tell you that in a down market, there's a lot of opportunity. So we looked at COVID and the pandemic as an opportunity and what that allowed us to do is just keep looking forward and not um you know uh, not lose our opportunity to build this dream that what we had started so if you look at it that way uh, what happens is is a lot of things start falling into place and and um you do you find uh new ways to to get through a, a an odd situation like the pandemic um you know and when covid came around you know, there were also some other hurdles like, you know, the state of Florida wouldn't allow you to open up at 100 um, percent. You had to, you know, <laughs> be a food service, uh, you know, facility to actually have people in your building, etc. So we learned a lot through the pandemic that actually made us better business people. And, you know, the day we opened up, we actually had two lines out the door. So uh, if you can just be, like I said earlier, consistent in your approach, uh, take advantage of all the opportunities that are presented to you, uh, control what you can control and the things you cannot control, uh, persevere through those, you can get through anything and you can actually uh, come out on the other side better and stronger. And I think that's what happened with Three-Eyed Guys Brewing. We, we saw the pandemic as an opportunity, not in a negative way, but we saw it as a way for us to learn how to be better business people, our, my business partners worked hard, uh, uh, and we persevered. Wow, definitely, yeah, because as I'm looking around, man, I see you have the local schools. You have a Papa, Wakaiva. As I'm looking at the venue, as I see yeah, pizza set up over there. So it's not just a hole in the wall and go in and get a beer. It's a full establishment. I mean, it's one, two, like seven tables. You got couches out here. I mean, this thing is lovely, man. You got the bar, so... Um, it's, it's pretty cool, man. So one thing I did, I did want to touch on is, you know, because you did mention that you have partners. So, you know, once business starts booming, how are you able to leverage the finances? So partners or whoever you're in business with, I'm like, man, you're keeping all the money. I'm not making what you're making or I'm, I need more. How do you, I guess, how do you keep the finances straight among the partnership? Because I see in so many businesses, once the business blows up, there's always a feud with the partners. So, we learned a lot when we when we brought on a couple partners here at Three Eyed Guys Brewing. Um, you know, it's not easy to work with business partners, I'm sure. But uh, and we learned a lot when we we started working with our business partners. Um, there's only a handful of us, but uh, the the thing that was important to us was to set the right expectation. I think that's the key to success with your business partners. Um, 
you know, because what one thing you don't want to do is immediately start taking money out of the business, right? So uh, in year one, if you start paying everybody out, um, where does your growth come from at that point? Uh, so we were smart enough in the beginning to put a business plan together um, that set the expectation for our business partners. You know, for example, uh, for the first five years that we're open, folks, we're not going to be taking money out of this business. We're going to take that money that we make and we're going to reinvest it back in the business and hopefully grow and hopefully build our brand to become more solid. And in five years, we hope to make you more money than you would have made by just taking money out of the place in the first place. So I think the key to business partners is to set the expectation day one. Make sure that when you're building your business plan and your pro formas, et cetera, that you actually set the expectation with your business partners. <clears throat> so like I said, uh, the CFO here would probably kill me uh, uh, for talking about money. So we're not going to get too specific, but frankly, um, when we opened up and we were able to take what little money we had and put it into this business um, and our business partners and, and, and the efforts that they made, uh, one thing we made sure of is to tell people day one, we're not taking money out of this business for the first five years. So setting that type of expectation can make your life a little bit easier with business partners. Is it going to be perfect? No. Uh, no business in my mind is going to be perfect. I think anybody who owns a business or who is starting a business will recognize that it's not going to be perfect. You're going to have growing pains. You're going to have issues. But at least when it comes to your business partners, set that expectation up front. Make sure that in your business plan, it's clearly um, clearly laid out for everybody that's a business partner or, or, or everybody that's actually investing in your business. Definitely. Let's go back a little bit, man, because like I said, you know, you're a business development director uh, for Brand Media Group. But where did the idea say, hey, I'm going to open a brewery? Like, where did the idea even come from? Corey, we started Three Odd Guys Brewing as a bunch of friends in our old neighborhood. We all lived near each other. Uh, and what we started doing was brewing beer. Uh, Josh, our head brewer, literally said, hey, guys, why don't we brew our own beer? Uh, and that's where it started. It was a simple conversation like that. And the the, the friends that were in that neighborhood, we all started brewing beer in these small, um, you know, plastic containers. And, and we did what we had to do to come up with our own recipes and, and brew our own beer. And uh, the team got really good at it with Josh leading the charge with new recipes and things like that. And the interesting thing was, is that it brought a lot of people together. That's, that's what our business model is built on. And that's bringing people together. We have a mission statement. The mission statement says any, uh, you know, uh, what makes a beer good is the taste of course, but what makes a beer great is its ability to bring people together to celebrate. So that's what we witnessed early on in our old neighborhood when we started brewing beer. Our beers were really good over time. People wanted to start buying our beer. And uh, we said, why are we going to be giving this stuff away when we could be making money on this? And let me rewind just one second. When, when I start looking at other businesses and when I look at things that I want to buy or, 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 or whatever, uh, life throws at us. I look at it as an asset or a liability. I simplify it. And when we looked at Apopka, we noticed that there wasn't a lot to do in a centric area, in a really localized area. So we said, you know what? 
there is an opportunity here. So I talked to the guys and I said, let's sit on this a minute. Let's do a little research because research equals reasoning. And we reasoned that this area needed something. It needed something that was, they could call its own. Uh, Popka needed something that they could call their own. And the brewery has become that. And that's why I was glad that we looked at what we're doing as an asset, not a liability. Something that could do many things, which is bring people together. Uh, make some folks some money, build that generational wealth that you always talk about on your show. Corey, I've listened to a lot of your shows and I've learned a lot. And uh, it's helping our friends build, you know, another stream of revenue. You talk about seven streams of revenue. So it has been an asset for us to build Three Odd Guys Brewing. And it all started in our old neighborhood with, you know, four or five friends getting together every weekend and recognizing what this product was doing just for people in our neighborhood. We would have parties where people would show up and we didn't even know who they were, you know? Uh, and we'd be like, uh, who are you and why are you in our garage? And ironically, uh, we became friends with these folks. So it was a really interesting business model. Um, we now see that it's an asset, not just to us financially, but it's an asset to the community. And that's why uh, I'm glad that, you know, we got together as friends and started doing something like brewing beer in our, in our garage. It was fantastic, and it turned out uh, really well. Are we in a perfect spot right now? No, we're growing, and we're going to continue to grow, uh, and we're going to learn as we grow along. But uh, the fellows that got together in that old neighborhood and brewed beer together have put together something pretty special here in Apopka, Florida. Yo, this is Kalali. I got a question. Yeah, so so the question I got is just a, it might be a bit of an abstract question, but you know, I know that you, you're in business development, you uh, you own a couple businesses, might be franchising and things like that. So, like, I just want to know, what what is the mentality, like, could you share what is the mentality of somebody who's able to bring an idea that they have, you know what I'm saying, in, in their mind and make that a physical reality? Like, like what's the process of that and, and, and what's the mentality of that? Could you share that with us? So when it comes to bringing an idea to life, I think there's a lot of things that you need to think about. The, the obvious is try to research the business as much as you can. Research equals reasoning. We say this all the time. But research that business as much as you can to make sure that you know as much as possible about the industry, the business, what it's going to take. Uh, with us, it was things like the TTB, the DBPR, all of those fun things. So research the business as much as possible and then put a game plan together uh, to bring it to life. <clears throat> I know one of the things, and a lot of that's fundamentals, right? So the fundamentals you're going to figure out, you know, hiring architects, doing all these things, you're going to figure all that out. It takes money. It takes a good credit score, et cetera. You're going to figure all that out. But one of the things that is out of your control or could be out of your control in the beginning and for a person like me is fear, right? Having the fear get in the way of you being able to do what you need to do to get your business open. Uh, I had a lot of fears in the beginning. Uh, I'm, uh, scared to do this. Uh, when a, a first hurdle would come up, I would uh, treat it like it was um, a huge problem when it really wasn't because of my fears. So one of the things you have to do is learn how to overcome your fears. And the way to do that is to any, you know, hurdles or anything like that that get in the way that could be fear-based, you have to slowly handle each thing one at a time, one thing at a time. <clears throat> and 
that's how you're able to bring an idea to life. <clears throat> or that's one way not to cripple your idea. Fear can cripple bringing an idea to life. So the key is overcoming fears, learning how to take those challenges and handle them one thing at a time. And it gets easier as you go along. You start learning how to overcome the fears easier. It's a little easier as you move forward. So take baby steps in the beginning when you're trying to bring that idea to life to learn about the business itself and then hit those things you can control and the things you can't control that are fear-based, handle it one thing at a time, right? And as you move forward, overcoming fears becomes easier and it doesn't get in the way of the business or the success of the business. All right, so Phil, man, if I'm, if I'm looking at your portfolio right now, what am I going to see on there? When it comes to my brand's portfolio or my personal portfolio, what you would see is steady growth at the beginning of my life. You know, and what I mean by steady growth is I was able to take advantage of um, the things that my great company offered me, 401k. They would uh, look at my portfolio and say, you're seeing steady growth in your 401k. You're doing a good job of putting money into your 401k. You would probably see decent growth when it comes to real estate made good decisions in real estate. You'd see that steady growth for the first 20 years of my professional life. And then what you'd see is a plateau. Uh, and that plateau is because I'm trying to build that generational wealth that you're always talking about on your podcast. Uh, and to build that generational wealth, I had to dip into some of my savings, like we talked about, to build three-eyed guys brewing. So you'll see that plateau. But what I'm hoping you'll see at the end of my portfolio as I reach my retirement years is massive growth, uh, me being able to build a legacy for my name, myself, my family, and that growth ends with that generational wealth. And, and leaving something behind is hope what the end of my portfolio looks like. Me being able to have a nice, comfortable life for the last 15 to 20 years of my life because of the opportunities that I took advantage of in the uh, later years of my life after I plateaued and, and spent a good time investing in myself. Giving it to us, man. So let's talk a little bit, man. You know, I, I talked to a lot of millennials and you know, believe in individual stocks. I have guys that believe in group stocks as well. What do you believe in? So, Corey, I, I can't give the expert advice when it comes to stocks or things like that or investing. But what I can do is give my personal advice. And one of the things I've lived by over the years is uh, living within my means. I try to live within my means so that I can, you know, grow my brand and grow those uh, those means in the future. So for example, I've got a spreadsheet of expenses that goes back about 10 years. Every bill I paid for, everything we've, uh, we've done uh, for our expenses over about 10 years. And, and what that allows me to do is track my expense line, right? So just like in your business, you want to track that expense line. You want to make sure that you're doing the right things when it comes to purchasing, looking, looking at everything as an asset or a liability, right? Do I need to purchase this? Do I, is, is it a liability? Um, do I need to, you know, uh, take money out of my investments right now to buy a car? You know, little things like that are the things that I've done well over the years to keep myself, um, you know, happy and quasi wealthy. So I look at my expenses every month. I track my expenses and I try to live within my means. 
beyond that, what I've also done is taken advantage of the options that, you know, Graham Media Group and the great company I work for has provided, whether it be um, 401ks, uh, life insurance policies, because life insurance is just as important uh, that you leave behind something for your family uh, just in case something happens. So life insurance and 401ks, I've taken advantage of things like that to make sure that um, everyone in my family will be taken care of. So the, I've taken not just advantage of uh, living within my means and expensing things properly. I've looked at the opportunities that have been given to me, whether it be match in 401k or life insurance. And then lastly, you know, the one thing I try to do really well, again, is to um, take note of the things that are going to benefit me in the future. Uh, buying a car is not necessarily a good thing, uh, unless you know that this car is going to, um, you know, it's going to increase in value in the future. I don't, I, I think buying cars in my own, my, you know, in my mind is one of the worst things you could do unless it's uh, maybe a, something that will increase in value, which is rare to find. So I'll look at things like that and say, is this an asset? Is it a liability? Right. Um, and it allows me to put a little bit more money, put a little more time and effort in the things that I know are going to benefit me in the long run like business or, you know, like real estate, etc. So that's what I do know. I don't necessarily know much about stocks personally. Uh, I listen to the experts. That's another thing that I, that I, I, I will acknowledge is I listen to those experts. I learn uh, and I apply what the experts are telling me because, you know, uh, stocks can be uh, tricky and investing can be tricky. So, uh, what I don't know, I listen to the experts. What I do know, I apply uh, vigorously. But assets, liabilities, those are the things that I preach to myself. And then living within my means and tracking my expenses and making sure that uh, I am not uh, going into too much bad debt. Uh, if I'm going to go into debt, make sure it's good debt, right? That's going to benefit me in the long run. Definitely, man. And Phil Deems, thanks for coming on Black Men's Sundays, brother. Did you have a good time? I had a blast, Corey. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you, man. There we go. Oh, I appreciate you, brother. We out of here. Peace. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away.